0: Hello and a warm welcome to this episode of the PPC Chat Roundup, a podcast where I round up the Twitter discussion that happens on Tuesdays at 5pm GMT. I'm your host Anu and I use this platform to share not just expert but also my ideas and considered best practices about paid media and the direction the digital industry is going in. Now I hope you guys are um, excited with um, the clarity of voice today because unfortunately in the past couple of weeks because of a Broken microphone. Um, I was just using my laptop audio. Um, so I didn't feel it was as great quality as as you guys deserve or have been have come to expect for several hundred episodes now. Um, but yeah, I'm glad we're back. I've got a new microphone. It came last Thursday. I've got a nice stand, which means that it's not gonna fall when I move my table. Um, but yeah, I don't care even if it's just like a small audience that I've got, you know. I I feel like if I'm gonna do something, I've got to do well with great equipment and great quality. So I'm very excited to be back with a lovely new Rode Podcaster microphone. So yeah, if you guys think the sound is really great, it's my Rode Podcaster uh, microphone that makes me sound awesome and very lively. So if you're thinking of podcasting, check them out on Amazon. It's only like, it's under... 200 quid. I know this can be quite pricey, but it's definitely worth the investment. Anyway, back onto our podcast. So if you want to keep up to date with me as usual, um, uh, with tips and tricks in the industry and just to get the latest, um, uh, latest of the podcast to the of the podcast that has been called your go-to if you don't make it to the PPC chat live discussion. And even if you do like follow, share, retweet, uh, retweet me on Twitter, which I, I love how my audience has been growing. I've got over 800 followers now, which is really amazing. Um, and I feel like with each new follower, I kind of make a connection before the follow happens. I thank them for the follow and we have great um, conversations on there. Um, but yeah, follow me on the handle The Marketing Anu. Um, just to see snippets and quotes um, from our previous podcasts, if you're an Instagram fan, yeah, check us out on Instagram with on our Instagram page at Chat. Underscore Roundup. So, um, yeah, in this week's um episode, we've got um the lovely Julie Bichinit leading us in a talk about programmatic advertising. It may be more accessible than you think, with a co-host Mark Poirier. Yes, I spent a few minutes trying to practice that. I'm not going to try and say it again. And the last name is Poirier, um, spelled P-O-I-R-I-E-R. But I'll just refer him to as Mark so that I don't double the time um, this podcast is going to take. Um, So yeah, we're talking about programmatic um, and how it's the next step. In um, Not the next step, it's been around for a while and how it really is very accessible to loads of accounts. You can get lots out of it even with little spend. And even at Brain Labs Digital, we're, actually um, have the the belief that lots of stuff is going to be bought programmatically there was an article i shared i'll put in my list of links but an article i shared yesterday actually showing how like the likes of png um the trade market. um no not that it's not that those guys um, but p and like you know, the likes of like Unilever and some other companies um, have claimed that, you know, not claimed that they've honestly feel that the filter is programmatic. It's actually best to have, you know, direct relationships with like TV companies so that they can decide against which adverts their ads are going to show up for. And just having that um, access to that knowledge and everything is going to be pretty much be both programmatic. Now, TV If TV is going to be bought programmatic, like literally everything is pretty much going digital and everybody's trying to make sure um, each penny... Um, of the each penny they're spending is is returning them some worth and some revenue so um yeah so we're going to talk about programmatic how it's accessible and how everyone should be doing it and just to um bust some myths about it as to um how to get into it so yeah Julie starts us off saying yeah hello and thank you for joining me and uh, guest host Mark we will be um talking programmatic advertising it may be more accessible than you think today programmatic is seemingly always on my list of stuff to learn about but first how are you doing today? And um, yeah, I actually honestly said that I'm actually feeling quite positive about this week. It's started well, started energetic. I got loads of stuff done. Our our data privacy Course that we're having um, just about mid next month. Um, so literally just over three weeks. Uh, now is is it's you know, people are buying tickets. So I'm sure it's going to happen. You know, first training course that I, I that I'm I, that I've promoted as CMO at Brain Labs, so which is really exciting for me. Um, and there's lots of other stuff going on alongside, obviously. You know, it's never just one thing when you're at a CMO. Um, so yeah, it's really great. So Mark replies as well: saying, I can't believe I'm actually co-hosting PPC Chat, my dream comes. True, bless them Yeah um, I'm sure loads of people Feel like that way um, Julia Vice Joins us Saying good morning PPC Chat fam. I'm catching up After a week off So I'll be dipping And dabbing in the convo today, um, yeah, Julie Den said, and Mark, I'm also going to ask you to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about why we should care about programmatic. Cami um, joins us, says, um, good today, but I'm feeling the short month crunch. How is Monday, March? Yes, yeah, we had four quick weeks of uh, February. We're in the last week, um, and that's it. We've got March coming up. Mark replies, uh, Mark uh, introduces himself saying, well, I've been involved with PPC Things forever, it seems. And um, now I'm making a little bit of a transition to another area of paid advertising called programmatic. Um, Julia joins the conversation saying, I'm excited for this topic. We got more snow this week. So my winter and snow fatigue is still quite high. Oh, bless her. Yeah. You heard, I heard like there was even some lives lost and um, just loads of, um, yeah, on instability in Texas, especially we, we the area in the US that don't get snow at all. So really uh, my thoughts and prayers are out um, with those guys um, and, and ladies and families and everybody else in between. Um, Melissa Mc- McKee replies, um, saying excited for PPC chat and my dear friend Mark hosting today. And then um, Mark starts us off um, answering the question um, that Julie asks us to why we should care about programmatic. Um, he goes, um, one, there are three big reasons why. Scale, The power of programmatic allows you to reach a vast amount of people all across the internet, wherever they go, through the power of retargeting. Two, programmatic always... Um sorry, programmatic allows you to purchase any inventory available on the internet, provided you have the budget available. real-time flexibility, programmatic um, all allows you to make changes in real time based on the impressions that you're getting. And three, targeting when it comes to big data, demographics, interest in market audiences are more. Um, are only the start of the kind of layers you could add to your targeting. Layering in targeting criteria is one of the biggest benefits to programmatic. Layering in layering in targeting criteria is one of the biggest benefits to programmatic. Um, And then, yeah, we get into the questions from Julie. So let's call that um, question um, 0.1 or 0.5. So, yeah, Julie tells us to question One. um, But before then she goes, the flow of today's chat might be a little different. I have questions like I usually do. And we'll probably ask Mark some additional questions as well as we go. We do plan to have time at the end for anyone to ask Mark's questions too. And yeah, there's like a question eight, which is like for everyone to open up to ask questions. So stick around for that. So starting with question one, Julie goes, how do you define programmatic advertising? And yeah, several people come in on that one. Uh, Mark replies, it's just um, buying ads at scale, using technology to bid on ad opportunities or impressions in real time. You could say Google ads is in a form of programmatic, is a form of programmatic advertising, same for Facebook ads. Um, And then continues, but usually we we refer to the open ecosystem of programmatic where there are thousands of different products and platforms to choose from to manage your ad serving your data your attribution and analytics and everything in between i mean he continues it's huge and it's complex but it's a giant opportunity for advertisers and it's becoming bigger by the day in part because of connected television and opportunities it now offers smaller advertisers who could normally only dream of advertising on television um, Sam replies to um, question one as well saying any digital ads purchased via platform or software usually based on a set of rules or requirements and he continues I'd clarify digital hair to mean any inventory that's not physical i.e. a print ad or printed billboard the programmatic universe is quite large. And then we've got Julia Weiss replying to question one saying, I don't really define it as um, at this point, but many of my clients just say digital and they mean programmatic display. It's nails on a chalkboard to me, but that's the lingo people seem to be comfortable with. Yeah, I do not understand how someone who said say digital when they mean programmatic. That is not um synonymous to each other <laughs> um julie replies to question one saying fair or not in my mind programmatic advertising means using some type type of third-party media system, such as trade desk for enterprise level budgets only so yes it was trade desk that also with png said that programmatic is the future and yeah kind of makes sense since they do programmatic um, so she continues i'm hoping to learn otherwise today and then Dwayne John's our conversation saying that it has changed a lot over the last five years. I think of it as more hands-off tech buying ad inventory in real time based on what settings you set or data you feed it. It's not just banner ads anymore. You can buy ads in Times Square or a lot of digital out-of-home space. And yeah, that's what makes programmatic sound it's such a brand new thing because... I think programmatic and yes, in a way, I think digital is not synonymous with it. I won't call digital programmatic, but when it's, when I think programmatic, I mean stuff, trying to buy stuff on the digital, in the digital space. Um, but yeah, you can do programmatic to buy um, ads in Times Square or out of home. So yeah, it's a whole new world. And um, Sam replies to that saying, I think this is right. We use programmatic platforms to buy CTV or OTT ads. I think that's out, out of... I'm not sure. Um along with billboards and podcast spots it's evolved well beyond the traditional right real ads. So yeah. Anybody who knows what CTV, CTV or OTT ads mean, please let me know. <laughs> um, and then we've got Liz Welch um, replying to question one saying, not sure if this is right. That's why I'm here today. But I usually think of it as buying digital ads, not through a social network or search engine. So advertising through another software or brand with propriety ad placements. So I've always thought it as display ads. So um, yeah, it's it's always been like, you know, Yeah, programmatic is like GDN or, you know, buying it through like double clicks, um, like ad manager kind of stuff. So... um so, yeah, it's very interesting to um, get into discussion and know the varying ways that people think programmatic is. Melissa McKee replies, GDN is essentially programmatic and you can buy YouTube programmatically. Um, and yeah, I also said I always just thought it as just a more sophisticated version of display. Yeah, that's why I thought it was was like display. But just something that gives you better CPC, lower CPCs and better rowing. So, yeah, Julie takes us on to question two saying, um, yeah, what is a DSP and what's the difference between, for instance, GDN, Google Display Network and um, a DSP? So, um, yeah, so that's mainly a a question for Mark, but anyone else can chime in, obviously. Um, So Jeff replies to question one, saying, I always think of platforms like GDN or native like Taboola, though we have done some billboards and even um, YouTube qualifies, I think I may be wrong. Uh, Mark replies to question two, saying GDN is an ad network of publishers and suppliers. While DSP is a demand site platform, GDN refers to the Google Display Network, which is a network of publishers already on AdSense Um, that have signed up for GDN Um, and then he continues saying marketers using Google ads can bid on display advertising options and use data already in Google to target those ads. It's an easy way to reach targeted audiences especially if you are already familiar with and using Google's marketing tool. Um, Dwayne Brown replies to this saying, um, when I came back from living in London for two years, I almost got a job at a DSP based in Toronto. Interesting. My life would have been so different if that happened. Um, Mark replies, was it site Scout? Dwayne replies, "The trade desk. This was way back in 2015. And considering how trade desk has gone up, mm, that might not have been a bad opportunity." Um, Dave replies to Dave Galleguez replies, um, saying that I demoed Stack Adapt just yesterday. Dwayne replies, "There are a few Toronto players in the DSP programmatic landscape to check out now." Oh, but wait, it, uh, what's this? Mark has not finished with his um, answers to question two. He goes, "Demand side platforms or DSPs?" Thank you for for saying what they are. I've never knew what DSP actually stood for. So it's a demand side platforms are third party platforms that let you bid on or buy ad inventory from multiple sources at the same time. You can buy directly from publishers and buy multiple ad exchanges, ad exchanges, including Google's GDN network, which is listed. Um, as ADX. Uh, Mark then continues, while DSP don't ensure access to Google's data banks, they do offer access to wider ad inventory opportunities. Plus, most DSPs are connected to more data aggregators, so they have access to very large data banks themselves. And then, yeah, I give my answer to question two, which was like um, at some point in my career, at the point like literally earlier on, I just have found um DSP to be synonymous with Criteo or GDN, um, or just like double the double click DSP. like literally it was just like there were just only a few players in the market back then. So yeah, it was not even like DSPs is like, oh, are you gonna do um, programmatic with Criteo or GDn? Um Julie Deggler takes on to question, takes us to question three. Saying, are you currently doing any programmatic advertising for your clients? If so, what are you doing? Um, Julie reminds us here as well, which I totally agreed with because this helps me with the recaps so much. Um, saying so make sure you include the PPC chat hashtag in your tweets so we capture all your responses, especially for the recaps. Because yeah, if you don't do the hashtag, you're not in the conversation. Sorry, guys, sorry guys. Melissa McKee replies to question three saying we have a display team that does the programmatic buying separate from the paid search or social team. But that's it. It's under the display team. So it's not like there's a separate um, programmatic and a display team. It's just a programmatic team. Oh, it's just a display team that does programmatic. I wonder whether that's how most um, companies do, th- do this. Um, Mark then gives a last answer to his um, a final answer for question two, saying at the end of the day, you need a DSP to access ads outside of the walled garden platforms. And there are a ton of DSPs out there to meet the needs of every marketer. I wonder if someone has a list of this. So yeah, I've asked Mark for that on um, his channel. So hopefully he replies to that. Dwayne replies to question three saying, not at all budgets have other places to go. We have one client right now that I think we could pitch to do it. And then we have Sam replying to question two saying, hey, one question in and we're getting into ad tech stack questions. Not bad. DSP demand side platform, which allows you to buy inventory from multiple exchanges. GDN, Google's network of publishers using AdSense, which appears in DSPs as ad X. Um, And um, he continues, um, DSPs um, do a bunch of stuff, some of which GDN does, some of which it doesn't. One, develop identity graphs. This is how characteristics plus data points are associated with an individual across the web. Um, Two, augmented ID graphs, overlay data sets into identity graphs. Three, serve, serve buyers. DSPs are not connected to SSPs, seller side platforms, or generally an ad exchange Um, Though this isn't always true, i.e. Google's DSP. Um, and Sam continues, um, of course, there are other parts to this, like trading desk platforms that access multiple DSPs or SSPs or data exchange um, and data management platforms. That's platforms that collect first, second, third party data and aggregates it to inform marketing. I guess those guys are going to um, have a bit of hit with the whole um, cookieless form because only first party data. Gonna me allowed come um mid next year so yeah i wonder how those guys are trying to prepare for that new world um jeff um replies to question three saying if tabula native account then yes we're also doing youtube for some clients i'm not as in the weeds as i used to be unfortunately so maybe more and then we have Cami Karras replying to question number three, saying, um, Yes, but not as much as we should or want to be, especially now with the faltering of quality in GDN. Julie replies, I think that is going to be an upcoming PPC chat topic in and of itself. Um, and I actually replied to that, I don't ever remember GDN being a good quality option myself, to be fair. It never has been. Cami um, replies, LOL, it was way back when. That made me feel very young, I must say. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not I'm not so old in industry um, of digital to know when GDN was actually a good option. Um and then yeah, Mark starts replying to question three saying, um, short plug starts off with, we formed um clever, that's with a K. Um, Clever with a K to help independent agencies who already have a solid business in search marketing ad a new product to their offering and increase the reach they already offer with Google and Facebook ads. Um, And he continues, offering is a bit specialized in the sense that it's usually done um, as a complement to search campaigns. And so there's always an important notion of performance that needs to be there. Um, he continues because of the complexity of programmatic, it's very difficult to do this well and to scale an offer when you don't have the experience. We more or less become the agency's programmatic department and we help with everything. And finally, sales, training, positioning, proposals, and RFPs, and of course, strategy, execution, optimization, and reporting, just to name a few things that are top of mind. Um, and then, yeah, we've got, um, Melissa replying to Mark's answer to question three, where he said, because of the complexity of programmatic, it's very difficult to do this well and to scale an offer. You don't have the experience. We more or less become the agency's programmatic department and we help with everything. And yeah, Melissa replied, this is such a great option for agencies without their own programmatic department. And I imagine there are quite a few agencies that are like that. Julie Denham um, goes on to question four, saying, What are the biggest challenges in either implementing or getting approval for programmatic advertising for you? Before we go into that, Conda uh, Gowredi replies to question three, saying, Yes, Adobe. DSP only running remarketing and direct deals as of now. Still a lot to explore. doing replies to question four, saying budgets, lots of places to spend money and not enough money in the world. Mark um, comes in for question um, four saying oftentimes we've just fight, we're we're just fighting for mindshare. Google and Facebook have done a great job at keeping agencies spending within their walled gardens. As a result, they may not really know what lies beyond those familiar platforms. Cami um, Karis replies to question four saying budget Ken Chang calculating estimated campaign reach and my answer was also similar to that but we will come to it. Uh, Mark continues with his answer to question four saying I think education is key I think more marketers understand the role of upper funnel strategies in generating demand and the sheer size of the programmatic landscape the more prepared they will be to start working with programmatic ads. And um, Mark continues saying um another blocker is absence of clear KPI or of an attribution model that clients can agree with. You can't run programmatic on last click attribution model as if it was the same as search. Totally so agree with that. This is a key discussion to have with clients before you spend anything. I think really one of the main aspects of why um, attribution really started becoming a thing was because display and programmatic could never show its value last click and um that's when really the revolution of attribution really started coming in. Um and yeah I think we definitely know the fact that nobody just looks at one platform before buying you know I see something in a TV ad I see something on my phone and I then check it on Google or or I talk to a friend about it and I you know then purchase it or see it on Facebook or see it on Instagram and then buy stuff. Um, so yeah just yeah, attribution definitely helped display and programmatic. Julie replies to question four saying, as I said earlier, partly my own perception that the minimum budget levels are quite high. So like 10K, um, $10,000, knowing that, um, knowing that is not the case for all programmatic. I'm intrigued for how it might be used for clients who don't have that level of additional budget available. Um, and then, yeah, we've got um. Yeah, Julia replying to Mark where Mark had said, oftentimes we're just fighting for Mindshare, Google and Facebook have done a great job at keeping agency spending within the walled gardens. As a result, they might not really know what lies beyond those familiar platforms. Julia replies to that, all for that matter, busy clients, if you have a thousand things to do, why not go with what you know works if it's a risk? Um, it's a risk to have a less diverse um portfolio, but not everyone has the time to manage more and more channels. And yeah, Cammy agrees with that saying that's absolutely true. Then yeah, we've got um Julie taking us to question five saying, What do you think programmatic is best suited for awareness, prospecting, retargeting, or all of the above? How are you using it and how would you like to use it if you're not currently? And I jump in on that one um straight away, going that, yeah, it is. I'd say it's good for all three, for awareness, for prospecting, for like retargeting, you know, know your audience, depending on where they've gone, place them somewhere, show your ad again, or depending what, um, um, journey within your website they have actually shown and what interest they're showing on the website, retarget them with more specific ads, um, and also for finding prospecting. But awareness is a big one for me, for like display, for programmatic, this kind of stuff. Awareness where you can get your ads in front of loads of eyes when they're doing other stuff, where they're getting there is really good, I think, for brand awareness. Um, Dogar Thomas um, joins us in um, with answering question, forcing brand safety, ad fraud, validity of targeting information placement control so yeah those are the um, challenges uh, that he faces brand safety especially is one thing i agree with and placement control. I think that's something I commented on the fact that it was just so hard to do the planning and, um, vetting all the, you know, placements of where your ads is going to show against. That's why some clients just didn't do it. And those were the challenges because the planning was very hard. Um, Julia Vice replies to question four saying, um, brand safety, um, with so many sites, games, apps out there, it's impossible to guarantee hundred percent viewability and the industry reputation for fraud, fraud, finding good and transparent And partners takes time and work. Jeff Lloydquist replies to question five saying, I want to say mostly prospecting, but it depends on how targeted you can get with audience and messaging. We've seen solid CPAs for sweepstakes lead gen, not much experience on the e-commerce side. Um, And Jeff continues, and by prospecting, I meant Awareness. So, yeah, to be fair, I think to myself, what's the difference between prospecting and awareness? I feel they're pretty much one and the same, aren't they? Um, Mark replies to question five saying at maturity, you would have a blend of all of these awareness campaigns on CTV and radio, for example. Then you build audiences from those who engage with the awareness ads and target them on the usual digital channels. Just an example. Um, and then Julie goes, as a total aside, if you are using a DSP, run your site through a tool like tag inspector, and that's a handle tag inspector. You might think you just have the DSP tag firing, but I guarantee you you have many more tags firing. I'd like to check that as well. Isn't that dissimilar to like Google tag manager? Wouldn't Google tag manager tell you that as well? Maybe, maybe not. Um, Julie Vice replies to question five saying awareness for sure. If you need to make a lot of noise, it's a great way to do so, and everyone here knows my heretical views about mobile apps in the GDN. They're great, and I love them. Um, and then Conde replies to question five saying I'd say all of the above with additional features like brand safety. Um, that's a good tip. Um, and yeah, Julie replies to question five saying I'd say awareness and retargeting. Um, to question five, Karis goes retargeting. Um, and then, yeah, we've got Melissa McKee is saying we use it for all of the above. Uh, so yeah, so that's for brand awareness, prospecting and retargeting. Julie then um, goes on to question six saying, do you use any tools or services to manage programmatic advertising for your clients? And Mark replies to that going, um, there are DMPs as well, data management platforms where we can store our clients' data in order to leverage it to build audiences. There are tools to manage creatives or to create dynamic creative based on any criteria, loads of tools. So yeah, dynamic and automation again. Oh, that's that nice little, um, tinker that has been happening for a while now, especially from Google. Um, Sam replies to question five saying all of the above. So um, using um, programmatic being great for brand awareness, prospective, and retargeting. It's all about determining the optional, optimal way to use that tool to get the results you or your clients want within the certain constraints you have. Uh, I'll say that again. All of the above. It's all about determining the optimal way to use that tool to get the results you or your clients want within the constraints you have and then julie goes on to question seven um so yeah before it's time to for ask mark anything um set of questions um the question seven goes is there any data or insight you can get from program from programmatic advertising that you don't get from other types of advertising and to that mark replies saying um well, for now, there is an incredible amount of data, including impression level data, which is obviously not available from Google Ads or Facebook Ads. Thousands of segments based on things like purchase data, intent data. Then continues also worth noting that the. In- the the impending disappearance of cookies as we know them will definitely create lots of new problems and opportunities. And um, yeah I replied to that saying the big wigs from PNG, NBC and the Trade Desk agree with you and given a link with that. And Mark replied to that I still haven't had a chance to read that. Jeff Green used to be Jeff Green of the Trade Desk, used to be a pretty good friend. He probably still is, but for some reason he's become hard to reach. Yeah, they got bigger, he got busier, I'm sure. Um, And so, yeah, we've got um, Ken Chang going question for Mark. Which dev tools to use to roll your own programmatic ad tool? Ruby, Python, JavaScript, Visual Studio. So, again, which dev tool did you use to roll out your own programmatic ad tool? Mark replies to that saying small advertisers can take advantage of programmatic. Key factors are campaign goals, should be established and quantified prior to launch duration, i.e. 30 days, three target audience, more defined the better for geo-targeting city versus state versus country. I'll say that again. So small advertisers can take advantage of programmatic key factors are one, campaign goal, uh, should be established and quantified prior to launch, two, duration, i.e. 30 days, 30 to 90 days, Three target audience, more defined the better. For geotargeting versus state versus country. Um, did he actually answer Ken Chang's um question? Because that would I wouldn't say that would be the answer. To Ken Chang's question as to what dev tools to use, whether it's Python, Ruby, JavaScript, or Visual Studio. I didn't actually realize there was a dev tool called Ruby. That is interesting. But yeah, so Mark replies to Ken Chang saying, I don't think the language is an issue. Accessing services is done via APIs, which will allow you to select the language or framework of your choice. Um, and yeah, those are our answers for today. Talking about programmatic. I hope that's unlocked some great new ideas for you. Um, yeah, Julie goes, thank you, um, for, uh, for this chat. Uh, thanking Mark as well. Mark Pryor for being our guest host today. Hope you all had, um, you hope you all have a bit more insight into programmatic now. I know I do. I know I do as well. Um, then she said, I know I do. I also said, I know I do. Um, we'll having a, be having a clubhouse chat tomorrow about, it and um yeah that's been a great chat for us hope you found the the talk very useful and taking some great takeaways about what to do about programmatic about options about programmatic i say read into it at least definitely something that should be read about we feel everything's going to be bought programmatically very soon um the big companies are saying it brain labs are digital are saying it so i think you we should all be aware of um what, how, to, how to look into that, um, especially in the cookieless world where, um, it's only first party data we're going to have to use. I think programmatic doing programmatic well is going to be, should be a, a top, top list to think about for data strategists or account directors as well. Um, so yeah, if you want to chat about that topic anymore, um, tweet me, um or if you you want to talk about any paid media and uh, data analysis solutions tweet me dm me my dms are always open um or join our our clubhouse um room tomorrow if you want an invite i've got a few more um invites left so yeah dm me for that as well i really don't mind um but yeah remember uh, for your campaigns and businesses to glide smoothly there's a lot of hard work needed beneath the surface so keep your songs kicking bye